He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Is this the tiger? Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear female talk about routes. Like. Hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. And welcome to From the Backseat. I am your host, Ethan, and I am joined today by my co-host, Clark. What up, guys? How's it going, folks? Really stoked to be back here. Another episode. Terrible Monday Night Football game everyone just had to watch. But, you know, the beat rolls on. Let's get right into it. Yeah, so we got plenty to talk about. And so let's start off by breaking down tonight's Monday Night game. Uh, I think that's the best play to start. With the Patriots versus Bears post game, so Clark, what was your main takeaway coming out of our Bailey Zapkeys now the starter in New England game? I mean, look, neither him or Mac Jones looked particularly great tonight at any point. Mac certainly does not look, uh, you know, I don't think he's gonna get his job back. I think Zappy looks better. I mean, he had the more explosive play. I feel like the offense kind of flows more with him. I think it could have gone differently if he had started the whole game. But I think the Mac Jones era has come now to a it's done in New England. I don't really know how they go back to him. They just pulled him out of the middle of the game. His confidence shot. The eruption when Bailey Zappi went in from the New England fans was rather loud. Um, I feel bad for Mac. I don't really know what he did to like deserve so much animosity from Patriots fans. Um, I know it's probably the fact that they had to live with Tom Brady for all these years and the fact that they didn't have some guy like that right away hurt. Um but Zappy's the guy, uh, the Patriots, I think overall, this is a team that I still view as like, they're just mediocre. I think they can, they, when they play their game and they control the game, that's when they'll be able to really exploit someone. But as it sits right now, this is just a team that's a middle tier. They're not particularly great. They're not bad. They're just kind of middle of the road. Um, but yeah, for the Patriots, I think a, a tough night, a tough night. If you're a Mac Jones fan, it's just a tough night for Mac Jones too. Yeah, so let's talk about Mac Jones a little bit. Is he traded before this deadline now? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a Colt. I think it makes perfect sense if we go to the Colts. Does it not? I mean, I think it does too, but I floated two ideas I thought about on Twitter. Mainly one. What about being a Jet? No. Why? I mean, Zach Wilson's playing really bad right now. I would rather take my chances with Zach Wilson than I would Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones could be more of a solidified starter, at least to ride the ship this year. Kind of like okay, a but the point is, I think this is the thing I would say to that: the Jets, the, the ceiling is still much higher with Zach Wilson. You have to figure out what you have with him than what you have. I mean, Mac Jones is just like a middle of the road barometer guy. He, I would not do that. I'm just saying the floor is much higher with Mac Jones. Than yeah, but do you want a high floor? Or do you want a high ceiling? Well, I just, I'm more just thinking for this season. I don't know after this year. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense after this year, but if you're really looking as like, Hey, if we're the jets right now, we can contend. You have a better shot with Mac Jones than you do with Zach Wilson. I don't think the jets need to worry about like this contention idea. I think if they did that, that would be stupid. That would cause a huge riff. They just need to stick with Zach Wilson. I think the most sense if you were to trade Mac Jones somewhere, it'd have to be Indianapolis. That would have to be the spot. That's a team that doesn't have a first. Um, they need a quarterback foreseeably for the future. I highly doubt Sam Ellinger is going to turn into some success story, even though I like him, Texas kid. Everyone knows I'm big on Texas players. Um, I don't see it working. Um, I really can't believe that Matt Ryan lasted only five weeks, but after watching him play, he did look like he needed to get taken out behind the barn, taken to the pasture. 
that's just kind of the way it goes. It's kind of sad to see him like that. But I think Matt Jones, if you were to trade him in this scenario, the only place I could really conceivably see is the Colts. I don't know if anywhere else would work. The Texans, yeah, you could say the Texans maybe. The Texans yeah. are going to be playing for a top pick this year. Yeah, I don't really know what the point. If you're that low, I don't really get what the point of getting Mac is because you have a ch- chance at CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, which are much yeah, better exactly. options than Mac Jones. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I mean, I assume you don't keep both. I mean, the other thing is the Pats could just hold on to Mac Jones until the offseason, and some team will overpay for Mac Jones. Well, I mean, that is true. I think, and the Colts could very well overpay for another quarterback yet again, and they could just read. I mean, Maybe conceivably uh, that would be a smarter idea to hold on to it because you could dump them to Washington. Washington's really stupid. They always want to try to go after someone. Um, but I think, yeah, I, the best course of action probably would be holding on because it seems like every single year there's a team that overreaches for a quarterback and it backfires. That could be Mac Jones. He could go somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, for right now, it it, uh, it doesn't look good for Mac again. I kind of feel bad for him. He had a good year last year. It just didn't flash like some people wanted to. So, yeah. And I would not be surprised if at some point Mac Jones wins back this job, to be completely honest, if they hold on to him. I just don't think there's that big of a difference between Zap Key. No, and I, I think I don't think there's that big of a difference. I think one thing people still don't want to talk about with this, I mean, with the, Patriots is that this offense still to me like okay they did really good the last two weeks that style of football is not going to win you games on a regular basis because if you cannot outshoot someone you cannot win in this league that offense is not built to go toe-to-toe with a top scoring one it's simply not their way is to control the game by running it play strong defense and if it gets out of hand if they get off script if they can't stay on script that's when you see them struggle I think it's what you saw tonight this was a team that like oh this was not supposed to go this way they panicked. They couldn't get the ball moving. They had like an explosive play in there. It looks like it was rolling, but again, when it fell off, it just wasn't there for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But what did you think of Justin Fields tonight? Look, I think it was. It's a if you're a Bears fan, uh, again, this is what Justin Fields can do. This has always been the thing with him. His ceiling, in my mind, out of those guys that were taking last, uh, what was it last year? was one of the highest. He is a athletic freak. He has a cannon for an arm. He's a playmaker at all times. The problem has just been, you know, development, decision-making, just improving. I think this is easily his best game, I would almost say, as a pro. You saw a lot of flashes on passes. You saw the athleticism. I think it's a really good thing for him because, again, he's still auditioning for this team and essentially in this organization because this is not the, you know, the group that drafted him. This isn't the team that brought him in. This is a whole new regime. So I think for Fields, I think for Bears fans, this should be optimistic. Um, they have a tough test coming up next week. Again, I believe they play – who was it? I think they said it on the broadcast. It was uh, uh, Dallas. They play Dallas. That yeah. could be tough. That could be – I mean, I don't know how that will go. That would be a big barometer if Fields continues to show up. But I think overall for Chicago, um, this was a strong side for them. Because, again, I really think – the Bears still need to clearly get them weapons on the outside. It's so blatantly obvious. I like Darnell Mooney, but Dante Pettis on the other side and St. Brown, he's just developing into a good player, but I still think you need to send a top pick on a wide receiver. But they can run the ball if they could just give him more opportunities and protection and taking deep shots. I think Fields would have a much better chance of development, but they don't have that right now. So, But I think overall for Chicago, a good game and a good field game for Fields. Also, one thing I want to talk about on the Patriots side, which – 
man, uh, the Bears right tackle was getting eaten alive by Matthew Judon all game. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was disgusting. Matthew Judon, who I have in my fantasy league because we play defensive players, 20 points because he got three sacks technically registered. Won me like a fantasy matchup, essentially. That was disgusting. I mean, <laughs> that just... is they need to take him out to the barn and just get rid of him. I mean, point. it's no, the Bears have a terrible offensive line, and that's part of the reason why Field has struggled so much because they can't protect him. They can't give him time. And you saw that. Yeah, for so, sure. That's just the way it goes. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you want to talk about out of this Patriots Bears game? Um, I'm slowly becoming more and more convinced this could be like Belichick's last year. I feel you, like you think he's going to leave or you think the Patriots are going to get rid of him? I think I don't think the Patriots to get rid of him. I think he might just leave. I, I, I have a feeling. I don't know. It, I just feel like it would be somewhat poetic if it was a thing where Brady and him left at the same time. Yeah. Would not be. So I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like the way the organization's gone, it's not really an exciting team. Things haven't really gone the way it is. Maybe he would just step away. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I, who would take? Who do you think they promote with Josh McDaniel's gone? Who would be the next heir to the, to the Belichick? Make from? an outside hire. Be daring for once in 20 years from New England. I mean, they haven't really needed to be daring for once. I mean, they won seven Super Bowls during his. Yeah, like, but they could still, they, there's never been an organization over the last 20 years. I mean, obviously they've had the model of consistency, but they've never taken a big leap on anything. So they could do that here. That's the opportunity. It could be a signal of change. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but I mean, I would be pretty happy if I was a New England fan over my last 20 years, if I were sitting. No, you Super would Bowl be, but the last 20 years, the last 20 years, you got to at some point look in a different direction now. For sure. I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what New England does. They're kind of in like a rough spot. I mean, they have good pieces, but overall, Do they the have, team and is they have some nice pieces. They don't have any skill positions that really jump out at you. I still like Damian Harris a lot. And I know Damian Harris is losing he a lot of snaps. It's, he's now the secondary to Stevenson. Yeah. I like him a lot. I like a lot of their pieces on defense too. Matt Judon defense is, is really more aggressive good. in terms of pieces in their offense, certainly. Oh, for sure. And the production Bill Belichick gets out of random corners is like crazy. Yeah, I mean, it appears that Belichick is like the uh, system corner creator 101. So pretty much it feels like Alabama with like wide receivers right now. You think Alabama has the best wide receiver program? I mean, look at the receivers has been drafted over the last like 10 years. Out of Alabama. I would say it's I would say it's LSU, but Outside, of, I mean, I guess Odell, Jarvis Landry, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. That's pretty, that's absurd. Yeah, but look at the draft picks out of Alabama over the last five years. I mean, we've had Jerry Judy, we've had Devontae. Jerry Smith. Judy, stop. Don't say Jerry Judy. Don't say Jerry well, Judy. I mean, I'm just thinking of the top picks out of Alabama. Just because Jaylen the top Waddle, picks make them good. I mean, the Waddle, biggest is Julio yeah. Jones. Obviously, Julio, but then I'd say Jalen Waddle. Who else? I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> Henry Ruggs, but no, Henry Ruggs is never good. It's still LSU. I would still say LSU would be wide. I don't know. I, out of the kind of receivers they've had come out of there, it's pretty remarkable. You can only name me two. No, nah, I just named you four. You name me two that are good. I mean, I'm not yes. saying good. I'm just saying because we're talking about That's New England. Definition like they're of good. We're saying good. They're no, but we're talking NFL's. about New England. They're the system court. So once they leave New England, they're not very good. And so I'm I mean, saying, guess, Ale- guess you're saying just system. Okay. Then yeah, sure. System. That's what I was yes. responding to. What were you responding to? Just best overall. Oh, 
I still don't know if that's LSU, but I don't. I don't really know. Be. They have two of the top four receivers in the NFL on their team. It's USC. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they got Marquise Lee out of there and Robert yes, Woods. They're on great players. Hey, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is pretty good. Yeah, you can make an argument for Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State too. Chris Olave looks really good. Yeah, they're gonna have Jackson Smith and Jigba come out. Marvin Harrison's son, Marvin Harrison Jr. That was a nice snag he had in the. Uh, the game over the weekend. He's huge against Iowa. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Uh, so let's talk about some general takeaways. And so what I thought with is before we get into general takeaways is I feel like we have to talk about maybe the end of these veteran quarterbacks. So Matt Ryan, we already touched upon, but I don't really feel like it's that big of a deal because Matt Ryan is out. They put in Sam Ellinger. Matt Ryan looks cooked in his arm. No, but- Matt Ryan's done. He's done, done. So I don't feel like it's really even that much of a talking point. I mean, He's really bad. But let's talk about what other people have been calling of. I can't believe Packers fans are saying this, but they're literally calling for Jordan Love to take the field. So what's going on in first Tampa and in Green Bay? You can respond to either. All right. So I would say the two situations, um, there's one I'm certainly less worried about than the other. I'm certainly less worried about Green Bay than I am Tampa Bay. I think Green Bay still has a better shot at getting things turned around. Um, I still think that Rodgers, he's still younger than Brady at this point. I know he's aging, but there's still plenty of times. When you watch Packers games, I don't think it's Rodgers that is the issue with why they are losing. So I think when you look at it, it's clearly a bunch of guys on the outside who are inexperienced. I mean, if Alan Lazard's number one, the number of times I've seen guys like Christian Watkins, Romeo Dobbs drop a ball that Rodgers just hits them on, it's like, man, I kind of got to have that. I think you're really seeing in Green Bay how much like Rodgers is great, but what you really miss is the guy like Devontae Adams who would just run around, extend a play, and get open and just know cerebrally what to do. Um, I think they will get it right. Um, Tampa Bay, I think, though, is I think that's a sinking ship. They uh, I think they can't run the ball. I think the offensive line is not doing nearly enough for what it needs to be. I think Tom Brady's totally out of it. I think his head is in a completely different sphere which I understand his personal life is completely in shambles right now. I don't think the Buccaneers truthfully recover from this. I think that they're pretty much dead in the water. There's not much really for me in my mind to look at. Like if they like last week, like I get it. Things are struggling right now, but if you can't beat Carolina, you lot, you can put up three points to Carolina who just dumped their best player, fire their head coach and is starting PJ Walker. And you could score three points. That to me is like, they're dead. They're just dead. And I know Green Bay lost, but at least they had a shot. At least they scored points. At least they were in the game. Tampa doesn't even look like they want to be there. So I would say concerning on both ends, sure, but I'm less concerned about the Packers than I am Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is done. Yeah, so I tend to agree. I don't think either of these teams are contenders. Um, I think when we look at the NFC, I just don't see any of these teams beating the top right now. Tampa, I mean, the fact that they might lose this division is like insane. The NFC South is abysmal. It's terrible. And currently, the Carolina Panthers, for those wondering, are one game out of first place. It makes it's terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> they are one game out of first place, and they just traded Christian McCaffrey and fired their head coach and are starting PJ Walker. I mean, 
the way that they've fallen is just crazy. I would not have ever thought this would happen to a Tom Brady team. The amount of times I've watched this guy, and of course it just happens, and it's just wild. Yeah, he should have retired after last year. Um, it's just not looking, pretty, it's not looking pretty right now. Um, but I think more interesting is Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay does not look good uh, by any stretch of the sense, but if there's a team that makes needs to make a deal for a wide receiver like right now, it's that team. That They're team, one of two teams that could use it. I mean, yes, the Chargers could also use it. But I, I think if we're talking from a pure, like Green Bay needs it so bad. Like they are so down bad for any reliable target. The amount I actually of times, think, yeah. Well, the amount of times I've just seen Rodgers roll out, make a spectacular throw for it to be dropped this season is like incredible. I think really if they had gone ahead and they trade for a guy like DJ Moore, I think you would see the offense immediately take a massive leap forward because then it goes back to, okay, Lazard's your two. Lazard can win against a lot of number two corners, I think. Then you have Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watkins as a rookie be your number three. They will succeed more in that role. The minute you get a more number one receiver in there, like a DJ Moore, it allows you the ability for everyone to have a little bit less stress on them. And it allows the Packers offense to open up a little bit more. So I agree. Yes. They are a team that is in desperate need of trading for a top tier wide receiver or signing, signing Odell or doing both. Yeah. I mean, they could honestly use both. I mean, I know you, you were thinking the chargers is the other one, but another team that could really use a receiver is the Ravens. The Ravens Ravens will never do anything about that. Don't No, they're not going to do anything about it, but I mean, nor will the Packers. I mean, we're talking about the green Bay Packers and they're like, I, you know, no you know what cracked me up? What cracked? I think I think I tweeted out this a couple weeks. Some Packers dude who gets paid to write for the Packers said the like he put out a tweet like the Bengals stink, which was just comical, actually, especially where we are now. Why don't we call for T. Higgins? You know how short that phone call would be if they asked for it. It would be like a no. You will not be getting T. Higgins. I'm sorry. You could have drafted him when you had the opportunity. I, the Packers won't do anything. They they won't. I, I I believe you're right. I don't think they're going to make a trade. They're going to sit no. pat where they are, and they think that's what it's going to work, and it's not. No, they're going to sit pack and be like, oh, when Randall Cobb gets healthy, it'll all change. No, it won't. I mean, it's exactly what the Chargers are going to do, too. Yeah. Um, but on the T. Higgins note, T. Higgins for a second-round pick is so stupid. That was like the worst I mean, thing. Yeah. That, was, that was part of that tweet, guys. Like Someone suggested they would give T. Higgins up for a second-rounder. I mean, again, what world? <laughs> my point was, and what way, why does it benefit the Bengals to trade yeah. T Higgins? Like, again, it, it doesn't do them anything. It, no, it's the most more, it was like one of the most ironic. It's, like, it's honestly the same thing of all the people of like, oh, why aren't the Panthers trading Brian Burns? Because you don't trade all pro talent no. for. First, for late first round pick. Exactly. I mean, again, for like, and again, the whole tweet was stupid because it was all around this idea that the Bengals apparently were just completely out of it. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, why would you can trade? Why would you trade controllable capital that you've taken that would be better than probably anything you find in the second round? Agreed. Why would you do that? And the team that's going to trade for it is probably a contender. So it's a late pick anyway. I know. So you're getting a late second round pick. So essentially a third, like why would I mean, you take that? People look at the Christian McCaffrey deal and are like, oh, the Panthers are in fire sale. They'll sell anything. No, the reason they sold Christian McCaffrey is first, they got a ton of value and they get his contract off the books. That's the biggest so they, thing. So they can pretty much do whatever they want now. They can start fresh. 
No, exactly. I think that was actually the big. I know a lot of people that McCaffrey trade when we talked about it last week. Yeah, was that everyone was like, "Oh, they didn't get a first. They essentially got more than a first by clearing their books of them. It allows them yeah. so much financial ability to go out and sign other players. So, or if they take a guy like Stroud and or Bryce Young, they're not hung out to dry in their first year. Also, I think one thing people are forgetting is yes, a first round pick looks good in value. Like yes, you're higher on the draft board, but the but the the Panthers, sorry, the Panthers now have three more at-bats at this draft to hit on a player. Yeah. I mean, they just gave themselves so many more opportunities to where, hey, if they have a bust in the third round, they have two of them. If they yeah. have a bust in the second round, they got two of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just allows you to rebuild quicker too. I mean, again, when yeah. you do that, like people scoff like, oh, a fourth or fifth. Well, a fourth, fifth, sixth round picks are your guys who build your depth, are guys who can be starters on the defense typically. You those guys are key to your team. They're nothing to scoff at. It's not some sort of silly little throwaway. Or even more importantly, they're your special teams guys. Yeah. The guys who are, as Bill Belichick would say, the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. It's the hidden yards. Yeah. That's what teams win championships on. Whether you people want to admit ask it or not. How bad it is to have a bad special teams, just look at the Packers. Exactly. The Packers are the worst special teams team in the world. And it bites them every like every four weeks, it'll happen. I will say. One thing I am concerned about, and I'm wondering when Andy Reid makes the change, is Sky Moore sucks as a punt returner. I mean, punt returning. The real thing I just care about punt returning is if you catch it. Just don't muff. That's my thing. He's mumped six kicks so far this season. So they would have to probably consider that. But I never thought it was that big. I just remember for the Bengals, like they had Darius Phillips. Like he was explosive when he got, but he fumbled so many times. And I was like. Oh my God, get him out of here. Now we have Trent Taylor. He's fumbled once, but he never does it. And I'm like, I don't even care if you have a four yard return. It does not matter to me. Just yeah, hold on. Pretty much it. just don't fumble the ball. Don't muff yeah. it. I mean, look at the Chargers Broncos game last week. I mean, that whole game was one off of basically an exploited rule of if you're an active blocker and you can go block into in front him, of yep. your guy, you can block into him. That's smart move. That's what the whole that's what the whole game was based off of. Which um, is so let's I know, seriously. So one thing I also want to talk about from this week is we are seeing a lot of mediocre quarterback play throughout the league. I think, I mean, I how many elite quarterbacks are there truly right now? I mean, this year, I can think of, yeah, I can think of like four. I think Maybe I can even name four. you. I right now, off give... the top of my head, I got three. I can, oh, I, I can give you five, I would say. I would say three off the top of my head, easy. I got three. So right now, my elite quarterbacks would be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, actually. Those would be yeah, those three. would be my three, too. I would say Allen's, Burrow, and Mahomes are my three. They're playing at elite level. I don't know who else is really playing at elite. Justin Herbert is playing bad right now in a horrible scheme. Um, um, who else is Lamar? I like Lamar, off. but Lamar's not like putting up some sort of ungodly numbers. He's doing not everything like he, he can to win, but he wasn't doing what he was doing early. No, I mean, Brady and Rogers are not playing elite right now. Stafford's not. Stafford's not. Kyler's not. Kyler's not. Um, Russell Wilson definitely certainly not. is not. Um, who else do we have in that list that we're forgetting? Trevor Lawrence, I mean, everyone crowned him. He's certainly not. I mean, we we kind of crowned him too, but I know. Well, I want you know to play better it. ball. You know, he's playing better ball. Who's They're that? actually starting to win because of him sometimes. Gino. 
Well, Gino, yes. We've talked about Gino. Gino is top 10 this year, no question, the way he's played. Yeah, he's played really well. You know who else is playing really well? I was, well? Uh, the guy I was going to say is Daniel Jones. I was about to say Daniel Jones thing. is playing well. They're, Daniel Jones last week against the, against the Jaguars made plays that helped the Giants win the game. I mean, I will say he's helping his team win the game, but it's so obvious that the defensive strategy is just stop Saquon at all costs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it totally opens it up, but he's hitting on the passes that they're asking him to right now, which he wasn't doing in years past. No, he's playing well. He's playing well with his feet. He's making the right decisions. I mean, he's kind of a game manager with legs, which is kind of helpful, kind of like an Alex Smith kind of. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of like, you know what? We're forgetting an elite quarterback. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is playing an elite level. Jalen Hurts is playing at an elite level. Yeah, Hurts would be a guy I would say. Hurts is Hurts is there. Hurt, is Kirk? Uh, Kirk? I can't ever put Kirk in there. No. Kirk no, will do something stupid. I mean, look, look, at the, look at the Monday night game they lost. Look at the Monday night game they lost. When the shine, when the bright lights are on Kirk Cousins, <laughs> that guy will fold every time. Unfortunately, it's true. Unfortunately, yes. And I mean, I don't know. Kirk is just so uninspiring to me. He's so uninspiring. He's so uninspiring. I mean, it, it leads to an interesting question of, especially, uh, this might be the biggest storyline because it all depends on Deshaun Watson. But every quarterback move made this offseason, including re-signings, including trades, have all backfired immediately. No, there have not been a singular good... Well, Gino, well no, Gino's band. Gino was on the team. He was, he, on was the on the, he was on the Seahawks. You could By maybe the way, say winning, I know we're about, but they're winning the NFC West right now. The Seahawks, they are in first place in that division, which is just wild. Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker is Kenneth the Walker's, real deal. I mean, Kenneth Walker looks like just unreal. He looks so good. It's crazy, but I mean, which is just an even bigger fleece job off Denver. I can't even believe it. I know they Denver didn't like trade him like anything like that, but just the team that they've put together in such a short amount of time is crazy. Well, and just every single one of their draft picks right now is an absolute hit. I know it's absurd. I'm like, what is going on? But- so there, there's a play that not a lot of people are talking about from Charles cross, uh, Charles cross in the chargers game. It was early on. Khalil Mack went with a spin move into a bull rush where he just stuck out one arm into Charles and Charles Cross pancaked him. I don't think I've ever seen Khalil Mack get pancaked on a rep where he did such a nasty move. What happens when you're a really, really good and talented player? And that's what they have. I mean, that's it. I, I will give, I mean, again, we, we talked about this last week. Pete Carroll deserves so much more respect now than he probably has ever gotten oh. in our life. Yes. People, I think it is showing how good of a coach he is. And not only that, but how much his players buy into him, too. I think I always knew that. I think people always like playing for Pete, whether like the loud minority said they didn't. He coaches with the best of them. And this is just pure evidence of it. The way that this whole Seattle team, everyone thought this was first overall pick, bing, 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 between him and Drew Locke. And it's like, you know, and now the thing I question, too, and this is totally side note. This was a close conversation between Drew Locke and Geno Smith for a lot of the preseason. How good is Drew Locke? Was it always Denver holding him down? I still want to know. I don't know. You never know how truly close it was. I mean, not a close. I mean, it sounded close, but I mean, maybe maybe Drew Locke is taking a step. Maybe Pete Carroll probably is not. the QB probably sucks still, but I, I mean, the other thing head. is you have to. You have to. It really makes you think. How much of a system quarterback was Russell Wilson in Seattle? That I mean, it, it is boiling down to that. I mean, because here's the thing. Gino, this week, too, like, he lost DK. He was throwing 
balls to Marquise Goodwin. Like, this was not like some sort of flash in the pan. Oh, his weapon's gone. He's not going to know what to do. No, he stepped up and he played great. Like, yeah. I think Seattle at this point has to be taken very seriously as a playoff team. I don't know how you wouldn't, especially in the NFC. I mean, I mean, they're not going to do a lot of damage, but I don't, I think you're totally fine if, even if you're a playoff team being a Seattle fan. Seattle fans were expecting a first overall pick. And right now they have another top 10 pick from Denver. I, I completely, Denver is like, Denver's trash. They're so bad. They're terrible. Their yeah, defense is great. They're team. just a terrible team. Yeah. I will say one thing about the Chargers game is I feel awful for JC Jackson. I know JC Jackson was. He actually was playing, playing pretty good in that game. He was playing really well. And I think on the play that he blew out his he knee. He's going to pick off that ball. He was stride for stride. He was stride for stride. I think that was an interception. I feel so bad for the guy. Did you see what the injury came out with? Yeah, it was. Uh, he dislocated his kneecap and then he also tore his patella tendon. Yep. I mean, That's... just awful. I mean, yeah, it's just worst case scenario. And again, it's unfortunately, I don't want to say cla- it's, cl- but it is classic, a, tr- a classic charger thing to happen it is a classic well, charger thing to happen. Oh, for sure. But I will say any, pl- any person that was celebrating him getting injured and Michael Davis coming in, you are the scum of the earth. Yeah. I was a little bit low, bro. And then today people celebrating him going on IR that that is just awful. It's Again, just wild. It's wild to me because it's like, okay, the Chargers already don't have a ton of depth, I think. And now you've just lost a guy who was your starter. And if you thought the depth was bad, then oh no. And he, again, it was one half, but that was the best half he had played in a Chargers uniform. He no, was I playing agree. really well. I mean, again, his one catch that he gave up was that PI on DK Metcalf, which I thought was really ticky tacky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was playing well. I mean, it sucks for him. Uh, feel awful for JC. Hopefully he comes back. But why don't we dive into the elephant in the room, which is Brandon Staley and the in the LA Chargers right now? I mean, look, it's not good. I mean, I I think you more than anyone else knows that. But I don't know what to say for the Chargers at this point. I think this is. Again, the, the issues that I, I felt like they had are rearing their head. I think depth is still a problem. I think play calling is still a problem. I think you saw again this week, Herbert doesn't want to throw the ball down the field. I get he's missing guys, but at some point you got to try. I think there's one play specifically I remember, I remember in the second quarter, I think. Still a game, I think it was like 17-14. Um, he looked like he was going to hitch and throw a ball deep. And I was like, yes, stopped, checked it down to Eckler at that line of scrimmage. I was like, Dude, just throw the ball. Just throw it. And I know, like, a lot of stuff has been said about Lombardi. I think he is an issue. I think the offense as a whole is not great. But Herbert deserves more blame share than I think he's still even getting now. Yep. So I'm not one of those people who are going, like, and posting his picture and saying, oh, fraud alert, sadly. Like, you know, fraud alert. Is this guy any good? But I think there's a real question is whether or not he's regressed this season. And I think the answer to yeah. this point would be it, it has been a regression. He does not look as good. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just as a whole. And so this is my thing. So I will say in, in the group chat, and I stand by this, I think it's time to fire Brandon Staley. I think <laughs> right now. No, not right now. I, I think at the end of the season, he's going to get fired. Reason being is the reason you hired him is because he was a defensive guru. 
So you'd bring him in. You wouldn't have to worry about the defense. And then it would just be, you just rely on your super alien quarterback, right? His defense is really bad. It's really bad for the amount of talent they have on it. Asante Samuel Jr. is playing at a really high level right now. Oh, insanely high. He's playing so good. Drew Tranquil at linebacker is playing extremely well. Khalil Mack's playing extremely well. A lot of these guys are playing really well. Derwin is playing well, obviously, but it makes no sense how they gave up 30 points again at home to Seattle. Again, Geno Smith is playing. This stuff is (laughs) like, what are you doing? He's, He's a defensive guru, and he literally cannot stop anyone. I know that, that is, I think, I think probably the most damning thing in Staley in my mind. It, like decision making is a size. He yeah. is who he is. Um, this is a guy who is sworn as the defensive minded dude. And I feel like the chargers get numbers put up on him by every week by everyone. They're currently 31st in points given up, which they were last year too. They were last year, but everyone swore by, he has his personnel yeah. and he has, it. but now here's the thing. He has it in and it's still the same shit. Well, and people keep talking about, Oh, all the injuries. Besides for J.C. Jackson, the only injury on defense was Joey Bosa, which is a, is a huge loss, but losing one-star player, you shouldn't be getting beaten up by Jacksonville and Seattle on this level. No, especially because Jacksonville looks really bad now. Jack, not yeah. really bad, but they're a team like that all season cannot finish in the red zone offensively, and they did it every possession it felt like against the Chargers. But I know your issue, and I have agreed with this for a long time, and this is why I was trying to push back on it. I have been on the fire Tom Telesco train since before Anthony Lynn was even. Co- I think he's been around Tom for a Telesco, long time. He's been around Tom for Telesco a long has time. been our GM for 10 seasons. Yeah. He sucks. He is so bad at his job and everyone is afraid to call him out every single year. It's the same thing. What is up with the love with big bodied receivers who can't get open first and foremost, <laughs> we could start there. Yeah. It worked with Philip rivers. Cause Philip Rivers really couldn't throw the ball deep and his accuracy was just absolutely insane. So yeah. if you didn't have a lot of separation, he could just kind of put the ball to make you open. Whereas Justin Herbert is not that quarterback. No, he's the flip. I mean, he has good accuracy. I think yeah. he's still solid pad, but he's a guy who it's like, okay, he has a cannon attached to his right arm. You should use that a little bit more often with a guy who can get open. And Justin Herbert, for all of the things people say about him, he's one of the best passers on the run. You should get him out and play action. I know that's the thing. When you watch the Chargers, there's not a lot of times they ever roll the pocket. They don't let them move around. Especially with the offensive line they have. I mean, they built this insane offensive line, which isn't playing totally well right now, but still, it's better than most lines in the league, and they barely use its strength at all. No, I mean, it's... The Chargers have a lot of issues, and I I think it's unfortunate. I, I, I don't want it to be bad for him but it, i just don't know where things start going in the right direction when because now you now you lose mike williams like you will get keenan allen back but now you lose mike williams and the weapons aren't there the running game it's like it's okay like it, there's just not a lot from the offense that i see and if this defense is already giving up 31 like 31st in the nfl in points per game it's just a tough sell right for me for this team right now I mean, especially because you look at the pieces they added and I don't get how you sit there and are like, you know what? Like Brandon Staley gets a pass on this one. The whole thing throughout the, throughout last year was he didn't have the personnel. He didn't have the personnel. He got all of the guys. He he got everything. He had had everyone he could ask for. He got. 
They traded a second-round pick for Cleo Mack. They signed Sebastian Joseph Day, signed Austin Johnson, signed J.C. Jackson. They benched Michael Davis for him. They let him bench Nasir Adderley. They let Kaiser White walk, who is really good in Philadelphia. Uchenna Nwosu walked really, really good, in, good Seattle. in Seattle. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to knock no, that. He's got Mac. He got Mac. He got Mac. Both, so, so you couldn't take, you couldn't take Nwosu. I know, but I mean, it, it's still like those hindsight things of, I mean, Tom Telesco is still the same guy who let Adrian Phillips, who was in his building for a million dollars, walk away to the New England Patriots for a three-year, three million dollar deal. Again, if you want to talk about our general manager, how do you let a depth piece who is now a top, at least top 32 safety in the league, one of the best special teamers, coming off an all-pro special team year, yeah. out of your building? I mean, it makes I no agree. sense. It makes no sense. I'm sick of Tom Telesco. I'm sick of Brandon Staley. And it's not because of the aggressiveness. I love the aggressiveness. That's why I like Staley. But at the end of the day, he's supposed to be a defensive guru, and his defense sucks. It is an incredibly tough sell. I think that's a great point. I mean, that's just the thing with it. With Staley, I can understand certain things, but the fact that this guy was a sworn by defensive dude who got everyone he could have wanted for his personnel in here and nothing's changed, that's when you have to start scratching your head and wondering if this is the right thing. Because here's the thing that really sucks now, too, is that if they, like, say they don't make the playoffs this year, which I still think they can, you've wasted three years of rookie control, control contract with yep. Justin Herbert, and you've done nothing with it. And now it just becomes so much more expensive because as we've both joked about, we would love our respective quarterbacks to be like, no, no, no team friendly. So we can continue to win. That's, that's not going to happen. He's going to ask for everything. He's going to get everything. And you won't be able to spend money on guys like JC Jackson as much. It just won't happen. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's a, there's the slight part of me that wonders if this continues, does J Justin Herbert even want to resign with this franchise? He yeah, watched the he will. He will. But I mean, seriously, if you're sitting there as a franchise quarterback and you watched Phillip Rivers use 16 years of his career, only go to one AFC championship game in this organization. I mean, that has to be in the back of your mind, right? I will agree, because here's the thing. Um, uh, Dean Spanos has shown no signs of changing anything he's going to do. No. He's the same guy, and they will not be a serious franchise doing anything until he's probably gone. I don't have any faith that, like, he's going to do anything. Like, for me, I think a lot of similarities existed with Mike Brown in Cincinnati, but it seems like for all intents and purposes, he doesn't control anything anymore. It's his daughter, it's his granddaughter, who are clearly more invested in the team, and he's just the figurehead at this point. With Dean Spanos, he's hell-bent on seeming just controlling everything that goes around. And I think until he's gone, I don't know. It uh, sort of feels like an, it's just like, I agree from that standpoint, it's been a long time under his ownership and nothing's really happened. And it feels like a lot of the same trends continue and you got to wonder why. Well, that's why I sit. I just wonder if Herbert sits there and is like, he watched Philip Rivers spend 16 careers there. And I, I think most people would agree with this. If Philip Rivers were on maybe any of the other top 25 other franchises he probably wins a super bowl in his career i mean yeah if you were to stick like let's say you put philip rivers in denver yeah for his whole career he probably wins one or two if you I stick him in new orleans san francisco new orleans he wins one or two i think there's i think you could go through and pick a multitude of almost 25 teams 
there are probably like seven in the league. Like, I don't think if he was in Washington, he would have ever won one because that's another team that's just a dumpster fire like Cleveland. I don't think he would have won one in Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think he would have won one in Cincinnati during that time. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at it, it kind of has to be in the back of your head if you're Justin Herbert. I mean, here's the thing that I will say I don't think he's going to do it at all is because Justin Herbert strikes me as like the all-time loyalty guy. Yeah. Like he, so he stayed at, or he like stayed and played in Oregon where he lived 10 minutes from his entire life. Like, I feel like he's going to have the sentiment, sentiment ability where he's like, okay, this team drafted me. I want to be here my whole career. That's just the way you go with it. I think for sure. I don't think there'd be a situation where he walks away and he's like, no, I want to go to San Francisco. I have doubts that that would happen. I want to go to wa- I want to play for Seattle. I don't think that would happen. No. I mean, maybe. I that will would be see. Crushing, we'll see. though. That would be crushing. That would be crushing. That would be the worst thing in the world to watch him walk away if you're a Charger fan. Oh, yeah. But let's talk about the flip side of now. I feel like right now, obviously, Burrow's in lead of the Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow conversation. So let's talk about the Bengals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bengals have turned around their offense. They certainly have. And, and we'll see if it we'll see if it continues. Obviously, AJ Terrell. When did he go out in the he went out game? second quarter? AJ Terrell is so good. I mean, that's a huge loss for Atlanta. I feel I feel bad no. I mean, it, it was a tough. I think the the real thing though that you've seen, I think, really since the second half of the Baltimore game, is that Cincinnati is starting to figure out how these defenses defenses are playing them, and they've adjusted well. And now defenses are going to have to start, and they have had to change how they're playing them, and you're seeing the results at bay. Um, I think example, you know, the last two weeks, you see what happens when Burrow gets time. He dissects the defense really well. These weapons get open. They make plays. Um, again, they're started. They've run almost every play out of shotgun, which is smart. It allows them to run the ball more effectively. They didn't have a great game running on the week, last week, but when you throw for 491 yards, is there really a reason to run the ball? Yeah. Cincinnati, I think every way, again, I had faith that they would figure this out. I always said that they kind of would. I worried about Zach Taylor, but I will give him – Credit him and Brian Callahan. They have seemed to figure out a game plan that works. The last two weeks, obviously, they put up 30 points. They weren't against the best teams, but they've played really, really well. Um, Joe Burrow right now, like we've talked, he's playing out of his mind. He's finding yeah. everyone. Um, he's getting everyone involved from, like, Hayden Hurst all the way to Jamar Chase. Everyone's getting targets. They're doing a great job of getting open. It's just a matter of me always, like, I wasn't dead certain this was going to come, especially not as much this quickly as it has i feel like in the last couple weeks but water tends to find its level and i think it's what you what you're seeing here now in cincinnati and i think again the biggest under like underrated value of the bengals right now to me is that the offense obviously will always get all the love the bengals defense i think lou anarumo might be the best second half adjustment defensive coordinator in football Mm -hmm. i mean this is a team that has not allowed a touchdown in the second half of the season that's insane they haven't That's allowed crazy. points and I think it was 10 straight games in the third quarter. I mean, they shut down everyone in the second half. Anarumo probably might be his last year. I'm mean, got to assume someone's going to start looking at him as a head coaching candidate for what he's done. They do a really good job on all levels from the secondary um, to the pass rush. It's, it's been really good for them the last They won four or five. Again, I think Cincinnati, It's they're finding their level. This is a team that's coming together all around and – it feels like this is now the team that we saw, at least in my mind, in 2021. There's a lot of similarities coming back to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I would still, I would love to see them play like an elite team because I feel like a lot of these teams right now are. Yeah, I mean, they're not playing any great competition, no. but they're doing to great to like this mediocre mid-level teams that you would expect them to do this to. For sure. No, I mean, it's nothing to take away, but I do want to see this team against an elite opponent, which I mean, it's, it's also hard to say that this year. because there's there's about some, two. Yeah, there's like three elite teams, the Eagles, no. the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think there's a, you'll see, I mean, cause I think they go Cleveland. I, again, I think they should be Cleveland for sure. They, they click Carolina with those two wins. will be at six and three. Um, yeah. Then I think they start a stretch for the play level bye week. And then they play Tennessee. I think Tennessee at this point, I mean, they're improving, they're improving, but this is the same way Tennessee does it every year. It's running the ball. It's, it's ground and pound, get in your face, yep. but they're a solid team. I think that would be a, a pretty good litmus test to see where they're at, but Obviously, you got to take it week by week. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd want to see it against the Buffalo at Kansas City. But yeah. the way I feel like they did it last year, this feels like it's shaping on the right direction. Uh, I like a lot where the Bengals are heading. I feel really good with where they're at. For sure. I mean, and the biggest thing is they're starting to find Jamar Chase again. Oh, I yeah. feel like beginning of the year, they were kind of, like, scared to throw it to him. especially, or, And they wanted to manufacture touches, which I don't think is the way you want to do it. Like, yes, Jamar Chase is a really good yak receiver, but you shouldn't be trying to generate – just plays to i don't know i i just don't feel like that's no the i feel like there were i think a lot of i think early on i think again a lot of this actually the bengal success i think there's an again we talked about this earlier there's an underrated part like burrows didn't play in the preseason he didn't have any training camp because he had the emergency appendectomy yeah. so i think he finally is starting to get readjusted from that like everything's starting to fall back into normal and I think, too, I think very early on, he was trying to feed Chase more than anything else. I think that was just, you know, he was like, oh, I got to get on the ball. I got to get on the ball. But now it feels like, OK, I'm giving T. Higgins seven targets. I'm giving Tyler Boyd six targets. I'm giving Chase eight targets. I'm giving Hurst six targets. I'm targeting Mixon out of the backfield. It's way more balanced. Yeah. And I agree. I think the fact that, you know, they're scheme, they're playing Jamar Chase like he was last year. They're using him in ways and they're not trying to force anything. They're just letting it fall into place. Totally agree. I, I think the Bengals are headed in a good way. and. With the way that the Ravens are playing right now, it kind of feels like the Bengals are going to wrap up this division pretty quickly, in my opinion. We'll um, the Ravens are a good team. I, Lamar no, they're a good team. single game, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I like the way the Bengals are headed right now. I mean, they're they're finally getting all their players the the ball. That's what makes them good. Is yeah. they have so many options. It's basically the anti Chargers, to be quite honest. Yeah, in, in some ways, certainly. I mean, like, la- I mean, what was it? I think T Higgins was six yards away from having three guys go over a hundred yards in a game. Yeah. I mean, that's just insane. And that, that's the thing. Like that is a, the biggest part. I think they're finally getting back to it again, distributing the ball. You have three guys who are legitimately can make an argument. We had number one for other teams. Yeah. So it's just I don't know if Tyler Boyd would be a number one, maybe in green Bay. <laughs> I think he'd be a number one for a, for a number of teams. Yeah. Green Bay and Baltimore for sure. And he's the number three there. No, yeah, I mean, there is he. I mean, I've talked it up. I said it was the best one in the league. I yeah, said. so I remember. I, I think it's really. Like, oh, good. What about Denver? What about Denver? My God. I mean, to me, the number two was the Raiders, which hasn't really. No, Renfro's been bad. Renfro's well, and the other thing is, the that's the thing. Their their core has just been kind of hurt because Darren Waller's yeah. also been hurt. Yeah, but Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs is incredibly. Great. I mean, I'll be intrigued good. to see what the Raiders do throughout the stretch. But it, I mean, just for the final point, I feel very good where the Bengals are at. I think this yeah. is a, a point where they're going to start ripping off wins. And again, they, they look like the team that I remember from last year. Everything's kind of molding into the form that I want it to. 
Yeah, they're kind of finding their groove again. I mean, they might stumble and people overreact to the stumble, but every team has a bad week. I mean, look at Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're finding their groove right now. Kansas City's playing extremely, extremely well. Mm-hmm. But again, every every team's going to stumble at one point. No. But everyone likes to overreact to the stumble. It's fun. Everyone likes to overreact to the stumble. Once the Chiefs lose one game, it's like, oh. They'll the be players. like, are they done? So. I mean, again, and all the people, and I think this is such a stupid argument, of all the people that are like, oh, Kansas City is by far the best team. It's not even a shot in the AFC. But what are you talking about? The Bills are just as good as Kansas City. I mean, you can talk about all you want when it gets to the postseason, but the Bills are just as good. Yeah, I mean, again, still in my mind, I think I would say Cincinnati's still, I think they're getting close to that level if they continue to play well, but. I don't know. I always think it's they, they got to play. They got to play a top opponent because the Chiefs are playing top opponents every single week right now. Are they San Francisco really that good with Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, Buffalo they, last week, sure. Buffalo. I mean, yeah, they played Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, they have. But, they the, have but the thing is, is like when you talk about elite opponents, there's really only a couple elite opponents. But I will say San Francisco is better than pretty much anyone the Bengals have played, maybe aside from the Cowboys. Uh, I guess so. Maybe I would say the Ravens. I, would I mean, and the Ravens the, are still. Yeah, the Ravens are pretty good. I mean, but the, the Jets Chiefs are four are... and two. The Bengals beat the four and two Jets. Did they? Yeah, they did. They beat them by fifteen. Oh, with Joe Flacco early on. Zach Wilson, he would have gotten that work too. I yeah, I mean, I assume, but that was week two, week three, three. week three. They're actually five and two, by the way. Even better. They've ripped off four since then. But Brees Hall wasn't really a part of the offense yet. Poor Brees Hall. Boy, I feel result. terrible for him. That's that's a real big blow to the Jets. I still think they'll be fine. I mean, they, they have an good, identity. Good trade to go out and get James Robinson almost immediately. Yeah, for only a fifth rounder, I couldn't believe that. But I guess it's, really after last week, it makes sense. ETN got the whole work share for the Jaguars last week. Yeah, but you don't... I mean, you've seen James Robinson play. I mean, he can clearly play. I mean, ETN is just playing really well. I, I mean, I they could have made calls than, around the league, and that's just what they got. Like, I agree, I but I feel like almost every team in the league should have almost traded... Because it's really a conditional sixth that turns yeah. into a fifth if he has over 700 yards rushing this year. I mean, it's true. I, I think I would have thought they could have gotten more, but I guess it's just what the what the number they wanted was, and it worked out. I mean, out. like, Buffalo? I feel like Buffalo should have made that move. I think Buffalo, again, I think Buffalo's fine. I don't know what I would really add or subtract about Buffalo right now. You don't want to do too much. No, I mean, their defense is really good. So, so we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't anticipate a lot of big trade deadline moves. Like, I don't, I don't think Brian Burns is getting dealt. Like people, no. Again, the Brian, if Brian Burns got dealt, then I would be really like, what are we doing, Carolina? Because again, that just goes back to our point. You don't trade drafted, controllable, extendable talent that is yours. Well, I mean, the best example is the Raiders did that with Khalil Mack, and how did that turn out for them? No, it, it didn't do anything for them. Because again, it, I always think with draft, like draft picks are nice. Like the idea of getting a first round draft pick is nice. But the reality is when you trade an all-pro player for a first-round draft pick, that player will not turn out to be the equivalent to what you traded in your all-pro player. That won't happen. No. Unless if you use it to, like, trade up to get a quarterback or something. And in case, yeah, then maybe it's more impactful. But, you know, like, two firsts for an all-pro defensive end. Like, it sounds good, but one of those two guys, unless you know you're going to get a quarterback from one of them, you know. For sure. For sure. Um. Do you have any last NFL takes you want to talk about before we go? Last NFL takes I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. If you told me Kenny Pickett was good, stop talking. He's not. I've seen enough at this point from this kid. The Steelers made, I get why they took him 20th overall, but if they decide to stick for this kid for two, three years, it's not going to work. I also, know. 
Speaking of the Kenny Pickett thing, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan and you seriously believe that Tua is playing at an elite level right now, just go somewhere else. Well, Tua, last night, I think it's comical about that. Tua should have been picked picked off about five times last night. The Steelers dropped five interceptions at the very least. Well, and what's funny is they always try to like make it like Tua's in the same echelon as Herbert and Burrow, and they keep on trying to act like, oh, Herbert's a fraud. Look at Tua. Like, they're not even in the same category yet. It's Tua again. Those that was like the battle of like dueling ninnies, dueling idiots last night. It was like not good. It was so stupid, terrible. Well, and it, I, this is something I want to say because I've seen this happen in three different games now. I know Mike McDaniel's has a flashy offense, but after their scripted plays are over, that offense sputters into nothing. They get once they get off of scripted plays, they cannot do anything. I agree. It's like, it's just dumb. I, I don't know why. Ugh, God, Kenny Pickett sucks though. Kenny Pickett's bad. I don't like Kenny Pickett. I don't, I've never, I've never Najee trusted Harris him out of the also draft. Sucks. Who? Kenny, or uh, Najee Harris. Najee, I don't know if he's, he's just not very good. He does not look like what I, people keep like loving Najee, but and I like Najee myself, but he doesn't have very good vision. He doesn't see the, the other cool one. Well. The biggest overreaction, I think, and a lot of fans are like, oh, why didn't we draft George Pickens over Christian Watkins or Sky Moore? I mean, George Pickens looks good, but it's not like at the point where it's like completely obvious that those other guys like won't end up. Yeah. Like, I get that you want the patience of like George Pickens looks good right now, but I mean, George Pickens ceiling isn't that high to be completely honest like this is probably the best you're gonna get for the rest of his career which is good but i don't know um, we'll see he's he's a pretty good receiver i, I like to see him play out but i, I think uh i don't know i just don't think it's gonna happen. I, I pick it to me is just not the guy i don't buy into him i i was told like all oh, the interceptions aren't on him all of them last night were on him there was yeah, not that, a singular one. That last one was, to end the game. That was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. Well, the thing that was so stupid is like you can just run for the first. He could have run for the first down and gotten out of bounds. He didn't I have don't to even. Set. What was he even doing? <laughs> oh God, I have no clue. And the thing was too is I think he believed he could layer that throw. He thought he could I get it so over good. the and he, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> Worse is the angle was also off to even throw to the receiver. This could not have been a more inopportune throw. All right. So let's go on to the last story of the day, which we got to talk about. The Padres are out. We ha- now have a World Series of the Houston Astros versus the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Clark, to end our show, how are you feeling? Man, it stinks. The Padres, it was so tough. I really thought this team was destined for something more. Um, but the series was over when they blew that four-run lead in game four. Yeah. Um, I think as a Padres fan, I really like Bob Melvin, but you have to understand this is the same thing that's bit him in the butt as a manager as it did in Oakland. He's not very good with his bullpen management. Sometimes his pitching decisions can be questionable. Um, I really don't think Clevenger ever should have been handed the ball in the first place. I don't think Manaya ever should have been put in that spot. They should have just gone to Nick Martinez to start for three to four innings. And then you try to pierce, pierce, uh, piece it together with guys like Pierce Johnson, you know, maybe throw another like Tim Hill and just try to get it to where it was at. But as a Padres fan, um, it was a great ride. I think this was, season yeah. was much more than any of the expectation that you could have had. Um, I have no disappointment. I mean, obviously it's disappointing to see the season end, 
But I think they exercised some demons beating the Dodgers. I think they did something really special in beating the Mets that no one really gave them a shot in. Um, I think it's a lot to build on confidence-wise next year. I think what people are underestimating is that how aggressive Seidler is going to be, I think, this offseason. I think he sees what the product can be. And I think not only that, but people, for some reason, seem to forget that Fernando Tatis Jr. went on the field as a top-five player, and we'll be back. So you're going to go into next season with Tatis, Soto, and Machado in your lineup. I'm assuming they're going to sign some other guys to help bolster the rotation. This is a team that I see being only better next season. But for right now, obviously a bummer to lose the Phillies. But as a whole, if we look back at the season, only two other teams in franchise history went further. It was a pretty darn good year. It just happens to be that they ran into what feels like a cinematic movie team in Philadelphia. Yeah, and Bryce I mean, Harper it, just played out of his mind. Well, that was the thing. I mean, every single time they needed a big home run, they got it. Yep. And like nothing and nothing showed that more than when Harper hit that opposite field. Like that could not have been scripted more in a movie. Like the guy that they bring in four years ago to try to turn this team around comes up and just laces one out against Robert Suarez, who besides Josh Hader has probably been the best reliever in baseball in the postseason. It's just like, what are you going to do? Sometimes it's just not your day. Let me so. ask, what do, what do you think about all the people criticizing Bon Melvin for sticking with Suarez and not putting Josh Hader in against Harper? So here's the thing. I tend to agree. I would have put Hader in because here's my thinking. People keep saying, or people on the other side is like, well, Hader hasn't had a six-out save in like a year and a half. I'm sorry, Hader's who you traded for for situations like this. Yeah. I would have put him in because here's the thing. Even if it doesn't go right, you don't sit there and think ever, well, what happens if we put in Hader? What happens if we put him in? Because I think maybe Melvin was thinking, oh, if we can hold on with Suarez, we don't burn him. We can save him for two games in a row. When in reality, there was no tomorrow if you didn't use him. And I think really if you put Hader in that scenario, I don't, I, I don't think Harper homers. I actually think the Padres get out of that inning, and I think they win that game. It's just tough. I get though. I I think again though. It goes back to Melvin's one issue, and it's not even an issue because I like it. Bob Melvin loves his guys. He trusts his guys, and I think that's just his flaw. He trusts his guys too much at times. And you saw it there with Suarez. You saw it there with Manaya. Well, you saw it with Clevenger. I mean, the thing is, that you also have to take the flip side of it because there was times during. Uh... I think it was game four in the Dodgers series where I was saying they should have tucked out Musgrove after he gave up two base runners and like, no, he stuck fifth, with it and, it and he stuck with them and it worked. So sometimes you have to take the good and the bad. And I think a lot of people just look at the bad as yes, he stuck with these guys and it didn't work out, but there are plenty of times you can look at this season where he stuck with his guys and it did work out when no, he stuck exactly. with you Darvish or he stuck with Joe Musgrove or Blake Snell and they won. No, I, I think, I think Bob is a hundred percent. Like there should not be, Anyone who quite like you can have questions with Bob Melvin, but ultimately I think he did a really good job. Sure. There was there a couple snafus in the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe here or there, but they got to the NLCS. They were for all intents and purposes, three games a game away from the world series. And as much as I like Philly as a storybook, I don't know if anyone beats this Astros team. Yeah. I really like I've, I've called them a buzzsaw since April. Practically. I feel like, and it, the reality is that that's just what they are. Like they made the quickest and easiest work of the Yankees. They went in New York. They totally dominated them. That's just the way it is. 
I don't know if anyone beats them. I think this is just a team that, again, I've said since April, May, they're a buzzsaw. It's what seven straight ALCS is involving the Astros. This is like their fourth world series. I do hope they get it for dusty Baker. I would like to see it for him to get a world series as a manager after all this time. I think it should be a really fun series, but I still think at this point, if I were to say an outside look at it, I would say Astros and six would be my call. Real question. If the Phillies pull it off, is Bryce Harper the best player in baseball? No. Okay. Bryce Harper is, I've, I am, and before anyone says, oh, he's at, I have been on the Bryce Harper soapbox as one of the best players in baseball when people continuously wrote him off when all he ever does is go up, play 140 plus games a year, post an OPS north of 880, and play like an MVP. And no one cared about him because it was like, oh, this is Bryce Harper. It's the same way people wrote off Machado. Harper's a great player, but the reality is best player, no. He certainly has a conversation, but I would still take right now, right now, I would take still Otani. I would still take Mike Trout. There's just a one, just a handful of guys that would still take ahead of him. Harper's still one of the most unquestioned best players on earth, though. Yeah, I mean, it's totally fair. Um, one thing I want to go back to before we move on from the Bob Melvin thing, because this is the last time we're going to talk about the Padres, is... I mean, people love to narc on Bob Melvin, but he deserves a ton of credit for keeping the organization afloat while Fernando Tatis got suspended. I mean, that is a, that's a great point, Ethan. That really is a great point. I think a lot of guys, like here's the perfect, if we had Jace Tingler and this situation happened yeah. this year, that team would have melted down. They would not have held it together. But because they had Bob Melvin, a guy who is a basically at this point, the standpoint of stability as a major league baseball manager, I think he did a great job of holding it together and he deserves a ton of credit for that. That is a really good point. I think he did a really good job of holding that together. Um, it just didn't work out this year for the Padres. You know, I mean, the it, of... Yeah. That's just sometimes how it works. I mean, that's the thing about the postseason. I mean, Dodger fans want to talk about, Oh, like all these things, but sometimes teams just get hot and they beat you. It's, yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, like, like, I mean, I thought I really thought we were hot. The Phillies happened to be hot too. Yeah. It just rolled in. It just happened like that. Like that's the thing too with the whole postseason. Like people complaining about, you know, oh, well, like, you know, all the one seeds, like this isn't fair to them. No, this is as a fan, this is what I want. I want chaos in the postseason. I don't yeah. want always just one seeds going up. Like I like when a wild cards team sneaks in. I like when there's a fun story in the playoffs. It makes it more enticing. I don't want dodgers yankees every year i want something different i want i enjoy seeing like a continual stream of new winners it's boring to have the same team every season this is like the phillies being in it i'm like of course it'd be the padres but fun for philadelphia like that's a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 11 years and now they're back and they get to have something it's just what it is well, and this is the only sport where teams really complain about that. Because in the football, if a, if a first seed loses, people celebrate it. <laughs> Everyone wants the buy in football. And I get football is different because it's a physical sport. But again, if you are a fan of a team and you are complaining that your team was given a buy and too much time off, seriously reconsider what you're saying. They had every, like those, the Dodgers and the Braves, you had every opportunity to make everything right. You're playing yeah. teams you beat up on. You could set your rotation. You got healthier. And somehow you want to tell me that's a disadvantage. That's absurd. I won't listen to it. The other thing is, I've seen this happen from Padre fans. Stop complaining about the that it's 2-3-2. Two, two. Like, I get, that, I get that we lost in Philadelphia, but, 
I mean, if we had won that game, we would have had two in San Diego. Like, I know. It's tough. Like, I mean, I don't know what they want, like 3 2 2. No, they wanted how the NBA does it, where it's three, like it goes back two, and forth. one, one, one. Yeah. With playing every day, it's almost impossible with the new format. Thing. Yeah. They can't do, do it that way. And again, you just need to win one in Philly. And they couldn't All they do, had it. To do And they had their opportunities. They really did. They really, really did. They had opportunities in yeah. that last game. Like, that's the thing. I think five games to the Padres, like, that was a much closer game, much closer series than 4 1. Yeah. I think the Padres, except for game one, led in every single game at one point. Yeah. They just couldn't hold on to it. And that's just how it goes sometimes. And you just have to sit back. And it's like, again, this is not some sort of trend for the Padres. Like, we're not like the, like the Dodgers. Okay, it's a continual stream of stupid things happening. Like, then you question things. So the Padres, this is one year of a bummer, dude. You won, you beat the 101 Mets and you beat the 111 win Dodgers. And you just happened to run into a storybook Phillies team that you couldn't get past. You had well, your chances, the, but you shot yourself in the foot. Well, and the other big storyline is what the Padres were winning their first two series on is they were getting so much production out of Trent oh, Grisham and Austin. Line. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then in the NLCS, they got one hit out of Trent Grisham and Austin Nola. I know. I mean, it, it's tough. And that's just, again, but that's just postseason baseball. Anything. That's happens. just how it is. I mean, that's just how it is sometimes. So Ben said, what about the bunt in the ninth? Yeah, so the bunt in the ninth, like, here's the thing, I, my thought process. I think Trent was trying to do a pull bunt down to first base, put it between the first baseman and the pitcher, and try to get into bases loaded. Um, Truthfully, in that situation against Robertson, I'd rather see him swing it. For as cold as he had been in that series, I still rather see some guy take a hack. I know it was against Rainier Suarez, a lefty, and it almost worked because he kind of bobbled it. But a bunt there, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just hacked. You got to take your chances. Bunting is just kind of conceding it out in some ways. Uh, it was bunts are stupid. That's a gal. That's just not true. Bunts are good in a situation. I I am someone who's a huge fan of analytics, and they hate bunting. Um, I completely disagree with the idea that a sack bunt or a suicide squeeze is useless. Moving a runner to second base with one out is a astronomically large run improvement than it is to have just one on one out easier to score. Yeah. I, I think most people just would have liked to have seen him swing. Just swing it. Yeah. Oliver, I, I will mean, say this for next year. Juan Soto will probably hit like 400 with no shift. And the other thing is Profar didn't go. No, Profar didn't go. That was the dumbest thing. And I hated the whole camera angle argument is so stupid because there's the, like, there's so many things that um like are so ridiculous about it like first off you have to take into consideration where was jerkson profile in the box he was up of course his bat is going to look like it crosses the front of the plate because he's farther up in the box the plane that has to be broken changes depending on where you are standing that's point number one point number two the camera angle was in front of him of course it's gonna make it look like the bat went farther stupid shouldn't have been called there has to be some sort of mechanical mechanism that we can use to measure and justify what a swing is on a check swing yeah, but what about the old heads who hate any kind of technology in the sport? Ben said, wait, hold on. Ben, I didn't say it was useless. I said it was stupid. It's lame. It's not, okay, sorry, it's not a bomb. Sometimes a game calls for it, bud. This is also the guy who hates the DH in the NL. And okay. He's calling oh, Jesus a bunt Christ. Aren't you a Pittsburgh Pirates fan? Just go watch O'Neill Cruz so they don't re-sign him or trade him. Uh is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the World Series? I think we both agree that the Astros are probably. I think the Astros, like the Astros and six. Um, the Astros are everything that Yankees fans think the Yankees are in the evil empire these days. The Astros have become the best Major League Baseball franchise in the last decade. And I don't think it's really much for a debate anymore. No. 
hit line drives. Line drives are fun. Sometimes it's hard to barrel the ball when you're facing 98 plus and it calls for a cheeky bunt, Ben. Sometimes it's just the way the world goes. Also, if you hit situational, it's just you bunts are fine. Bunts are okay. I don't mind them. I don't want bunts all the time, but I don't mind a bunt to move runner on. Wait, Ben, you hate the DH. So would you rather pitchers not bunt when they would come up and you'd rather them actually swing? Suck on that one, Ben. Uh Ben. So this has been from the backseat. I hope you've enjoyed it. Sorry, it's a little bit long of an episode. So Clark and I will actually be back tomorrow, just not here. We are going on Divine Sports Gospel tomorrow. Clark and I both are. You mean Drew Code. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. We're going on Drew Code. Code. Sorry. I'm trying to get mixed up of things we're planning. Um, So sorry. We're going to be on Drew Code tomorrow. Getting everything mixed up. We've been on for an hour and seven minutes. Minutes. It's been a long one. So uh, this has been from the backseat. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe and like us on YouTube. Make sure to go follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Make sure to go join the chalkboard. Make sure to continue to interact with Clark and I. We're continuing to do stuff. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.